Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. It was insane. <laughs> I was sitting in the Royal Box, 12 feet from the King of England and the Queen of England. Yeah, I, that's the magical thing about the Muppets, I think. I think that when pe- people see themselves in these characters, or they see somebody that they know in these characters, I think what it wants to sound like is kind of like this. I'm a Gorlock. That's me. Okay. But I think it's actually this. I'm a Gorlock. <laughs> Even if your last name means bird, what are the chances you'll become one of the most famous ones in the world? Well, we can't put a number to that today, but we will get some perspective on what it's like to be Big Bird from someone who knows it from the inside. And that someone is Webster University alum and multi-character voice actor and puppeteer, Matt Vogel. Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Elaine. Thanks for having me. Now, since we introduced this segment with a, a name note, I've got to ask... <laughs> Do people call you just Matt or do they call you Matt Vogel? You have one of those names where... (laughs) Uh, It depends on who it is. I mean, some people call... Yeah, I mean, I have friends that call me Maddie. I have friends that call me Matthew. I have friends that call me Matt. I have friends that call me Vogel. So (laughs) (laughs) It just depends. Yeah, I get all all of the names. (laughs) Now, in the Sesame Street world, the puppet characters, they don't age. So, for instance, Big Bird has been a six-year-old for mm-hmm. the last 50-odd years. Yeah, don't think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't try to do the math. <laughs> but in many ways, you know, Sesame Street as a program has grown up, and that includes broaching, um, it includes broaching topics and themes that some may consider you know, too mature for a human child to handle, like race and ethnicity and gender mm-hmm. identity. What is it like playing a character, especially a classic one, like Big Bird, who lives in the world as it is now versus the world Big Bird, you know, hatched into, so to speak? Well, I think that Big Bird's worldview has always been the same, uh, even back in, in the early days of Sesame Street. He is kind of the every, he's the every man, he's the every child, the every bird of, of Sesame Street so that a child hopefully sees themselves in him. Mm-hmm. He is kind. He always sees the best in everybody, no matter what. And he does have ups and downs, but he always sees, he's just always op- optimistic. And it doesn't matter whether it was 19, you know, 73 or, you know, 2023. Mm-hmm. And I do think, you know, speaking of the, the heavier issues that we do have, and we do try to present on Sesame Street, Sesame Street is uniquely positioned, I believe, to be able to bring up these issues in a way that is easily understandable for kids who are watching and their parents. It's it's a it's a because it's already known as a safe place to get information. Mm-hmm. So, and how do you think it does that? Well, it does that through the different research we have. Uh, we have curriculum, and we have a, a lot of outreach programs that we do. Uh, and some of those outreach programs that we do are social impact uh, initiatives. They range from incarceration to military families to uh, food insecurity, divorce, and of course our, our racial uh, equity um, initiatives as well. Mm-hmm. And and so while there might be characters that are specific to that, sometimes we do address that on our main show as well. And we do that by just in 
including new characters into our mix of those classic characters in, in an attempt to let anybody see themselves in these characters. Mm-hmm. They can identify, identify whether they are, you know, where they might be from, what their background might be. They, they might see themselves, which is a unique and it's really unique to this program, yeah. I think. And it's a kid. It's a show or program ostensibly for kids, but it right. is effectively for everyone. Yes, absolutely. Now, your Big Bird character, you know, performs in skits mm. on late night television or other entertainment that is geared toward adults mm. and adult humor. And one of those was with Michelle Obama on Funny or Die with Billy Eichner. And you ended up slow dancing with the former first lady mm-hmm. and then literally running around New York City <laughs> asking unsuspecting folks very random, often nonsensical questions. What part of that whole experience felt like classic bird? And what was your bird? Oh. Well, all uh, now, gosh, how do I answer that question? So first and foremost, Big Bird was originated by Carol Spinney, mm-hmm. who was a mentor, who was a friend of mine, who picked me for this job because, among other things, my last name, Vogel, right. means bird, right? <laughs> so so he did pick me, I think. I had a little foot in the door because of that. But that character, Big Bird, was really, really Carol, who mm-hmm. he was as a person. Mm-hmm. And, the, and I've been – I was the understudy for many, many years before actually – taking on the mantle of being Big Bird. And in those years since taking on the mantle, it it is inevitable if I am doing my job correctly for a Muppet performer that a little bit of who I am bleeds into that character and becomes part of who the evolution of that character is. Otherwise, they remain stagnant and they remain just an imitation Mm -hmm. of who something, who you hear or who you think that character is. So all Muppet performers do try to put a little bit of themselves, they may not even try it, it just kind of happens. Right, right. And if we're doing it right, it it seems like the classic and the current should blend together nicely. Mm-hmm. And you hopefully don't really notice very much. Is there a part of you, though, that you can kind of identify as being something that you have brought to this character that, uh, that Carol did not? Yes. Yes. I mean, I think so. Carol, for example, and I and obviously I loved Carol. Um, he may not have been as strong musically, for example. Well, mm. I'm probably stronger musically. However, Carol c- roller skated as Big Bird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can barely walk as Big Bird. No, I, but I don't roller skate as Big Bird. Right, he could right. ride a unicycle. <laughs> I can't do that. He was brilliant. He was so great. And he was – and, uh, you know, I, I – I think there are things, of course, there are things that I bring to him, but I, I, it's hard for me to identify what that is in the moment because I'm always trying to remain true to the heart of Big Bird, who is this, that optimistic, uh, wide-eyed six-year-old, mm-hmm. you know? For that funny and die, that segment, mm-hmm. did slow dancing with Michelle Obama as Bird mean that you sweated less or more in the suit? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I had met. Uh, Michelle Obama before and she had come to Sesame Street and I met her there and of course she was wonderful and then a little bit later on when we were on uh, the Billy Eichner Billy on the Street bit and I met her there 
uh, she came up as if she knew has had known me forever. Now mm. I'm I am aware that they must have people that are like and the person that's playing Big Brother right. is Matt Vogel, and she <laughs> but she came up as if I was a longtime friend, and I mm-hmm. felt instantly comfortable. Yeah. With her, and of course, Billy and I had spent uh, you know the day together doing all this other stuff, and he was wonderful. So it was really a very comfortable. I felt. Very comfortable, yeah. even though I was aware <laughs> I was dancing with, you know, the Former first lady. First lady. <laughs> you know, it was insane. Well, and I think that's it's an interesting point that it was like she knew you, mm-hmm. but we do know Big Bird in, yeah. in a very special sort of way. Kermit the Frog is another iconic character you play, and he's the one who's more mature. In fact, um, in my research, I found that Kermit turned... 72, just this past Tuesday. (laughs) Now, like Big Bird, Kermit's taken you all over the place, including live events at venues filled with thousands of people. And case in point, in 2019, you took the stage at the historic Newport Folk Festival Mm. in Rhode Island and performed Rainbow Connection. Mm -hmm. Whose idea was that? Uh, I believe that was Jay Sweet at the Newport Folk Festival who came up with that idea and he reached out to the Muppet Studio and uh, it was going to be a collaboration. Kermit was going to come out and sing with uh, with Jim James and, a, and an all-star lineup of band members. And it just... It just happened to work out beautifully, and uh, but it was all Jay Sweet, by my recollection, who okay. asked us, and he's kind of in charge of the Newport Folk Festival. I, you know, I would go back in a minute. It was uh-huh. so much fun. And I went and checked the 2019 lineup to see if I saw if I could see Kermit anywhere, mm-hmm. and I did not. He was a surprise. He oh. was a big surprise. So nobody knew. <laughs> and what was fun is that you know when you're doing a live show like that, we are not particularly precious about whether you see me or not. Because inevitably, the frog is going to be what you look at. Right, right. And if you want to look at me singing, go ahead. But the puppet is really the thing that people are going to, their eyes are going to be fixated on. Right, right. What was it like to perform at such an iconic music event? And was it different from other times you've performed for a mostly adult audience? Well, okay. I, I really do hold a special place in my heart for the Newport Folk Festival. It was such a unique experience. Everybody there just was was so relaxed and so kind and so just there to really have fun, mm-hmm. you know? And that's and that was the whole vibe of the entire weekend that I was there. Now I've I've played uh, the Hollywood Bowl to 18,000 people. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that was a little bit more nerve-wracking but not because of the audience they were right, fantastic right. and they were they loved it that was more of like a are we do we know what we're doing here uh, yeah, you sure. know it just kind of felt a little bit different but uh it, each of these places are different and unique indi- individual places we just did the coronation concert in london with miss piggy and kermit the frog oh okay and that was in- insane okay. it was insane <laughs> i was sitting in the royal box on my tush <laughs> <laughs> 12 feet from the King of England and the Queen of England and the Prince and the Prince. You know, they were all, you know, in a line there. And there's this me coming in with a frog on my arm and laying down on the floor. And all of them were so curious, looking over. What was this yeah. guy doing? What was he doing? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, to get a smile from Camilla was yeah. it was pretty cool. Well, I mean, Muppet royalty, basically, <laughs> is what true. we're looking I guess at. That's right. <laughs> 
Now, you performed Rainbow Connection again mm-hmm. as Kermit the Frog and from his swamp yes. in early 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic. It was uploaded to YouTube and social media and re- received millions of views, 6.4 million wow, I didn't on know that. YouTube alone. Wow. Frog, and Matt Vogel, who's our guest today, the voice actor and puppeteer uh, behind Kermit, and also uh, behind Big Bird, the Count Von Count, Count on Sesame Street, uh, among various other things. Now, that song means a lot to a lot of people of many ages, um, of all ages, myself included. Did you foresee that video uh, being so popular? No. I didn't. I didn't know that that there had been that many views on it, like you said, six million something. Uh, But the intention of that video, it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I just reached out to the Muppet Studio and said, I'd love to be able to just kind of just go and sing this song and just have it be just a moment of of calmness and and sweetness, really. Mm -hmm. And they said, yes, absolutely. Go do it. And so. My wife, she shot it. My two sons helped me because he's in the video. He's playing the banjo. So my two older sons, 22 and 20, and 20 they helped me. Their names aren't 22 and 20, okay, by the way. Up. Their names are Jack and Hunter. <laughs> uh, but they helped me puppeteer Kermit. Right. And, um, I, you know, it just was. it just felt like that was the thing that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that the Muppet Studio allowed me. Well, that bit of background is, it also makes it even more meaningful that you were doing that with your family. Mm -hmm. How did it feel? I mean, to, or how does it feel? You were surprised by the number. um, To know that your Kermit was a source of such comfort to people across the world. Yeah, that's the magical thing about the Muppets, I think. I think that when pe- people see themselves in these characters or they see somebody that they know in these characters and they and it, and it brings to them a sm- hopefully a smile to their face first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And secondarily, you know, hopefully it touches your heart in some way. And that's what, that's what the goal is anytime we're doing something, you know. It's that thing that Kermit said, I, you know, I, I just want to make millions of people happy. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Muppet Studio goal is. That's what we want to do on Sesame Street every day is to reach out and touch people and make them very happy that they've had this connection with these characters. Mm-hmm. 
You were talking earlier about bringing more music to Big Bird, mm. and you've had iconic mentors coming up, um, not only Carol Spinney, who performed as Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch, yes, um, but also you know, the original Count Von Count, Jerry Nelson. Mm-hmm. In what ways does their guidance in performing these iconic characters show up um, in, in the way that you do them? And then what more specifics can you give about the twists that you have added over time? So, yes, Jerry and Carol, both mentors, and they're the, both the touchstone for me of these characters, beyond just the actual puppet, right? Knowing those gentlemen and observing how they played those characters is the uh, set aside like the hours and hours and hours of videos that I could look on YouTube for or wherever you know those are all great to have and I do refer to those and I do go back to those even now just to to refresh and to just keep in mind the the seed the uh, the seed of the character but knowing Carol and knowing Jerry who was such a musical guy and such a just a he was such a great guy and knowing him and how musical he was as a as a person, just on his own, he mm-hmm. played you know he played guitar in a in a band up in Cape Cod, which is where he lived most of the time. He was the guy. He was the go to guy on the Muppet Show if they had a musical number that was going to be performed by somebody that wasn't you know Kermit, Fozzie, uh, uh, Miss Piggy, Gonzo. Okay, he would be these one. We kind of call them like one off characters. There would be just somebody that would come in and sing a song. And oftentimes paired with Louise Gold, who was another uh, Muppet performer, and they would sing these amazing songs. Mm-hmm. And and him being so musical, uh, he also just had this. He just had this. He was the coolest man in the room. He was the coolest person in the room. <laughs> Always, Jerry was. Yeah. And so I want to bring a little bit of that to my Floyd, uh, who's the bass player for the Electric Mayhem, and. Uh, I just try to emulate in some way my impression of Jerry and how Jerry performed those characters. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, it it's does. I want to I want to be truthful to to Jerry's performances, but again, like I said, it's kind of inevitable inevitable that a piece of me is going to be put into that character. So the music of Floyd, for example, he's yeah, it talks like this. You know, he's just this cool dude. And the the music of how he talks uh, is is very very different from how I speak, but I just I hear Jerry in my head, and I I try to hear how he might say it, but I don't try to be completely beholden to it. So mm-hmm. I will say things differently, just because of what the, the line might be right. written as, and mm-hmm. try to like infuse the the line with a musicality that that. With every line that Floyd says, but it's not like I'm singing notes, but it's it's the notes of, you know, hey, here we are. Wow, look at this place. You know, like just to, like the ability to like go up and down in my right, voice right. is how I hear Jerry in my head and so, how he talked as Floyd. Mm-hmm. Jerry himself didn't talk like that, but, but Floyd did, you know. So when you're switching between characters... Mm-hmm. Is it primarily an, like an aural image in the mind, or are you seeing something? Sometimes there are triggers. There are vocal triggers. So with Big Bird, there um, there's a, a vocal trigger that I do. That's um, hello there. I'll do like that's what that's how I will 
I'll get into his voice sometime, especially if I haven't done them for a while. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll find a vocal trigger. Hello there. Because that's how I hear Carol say hello there as Big Bird. Right, right. You know? Um, and then uh, Kermit's a different thing. So, um, yeah, yeah. I just hear the word yeah. I'll say the word yeah. Okay. Uh, Floyd, I just go into. I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, there's other ones like Uncle Deadly. I'll just, hmm, he's this very, you know, he's a very, uh, he's a lot to say. He's very loquacious and has a lot of just, he's he's a little pompous and also smarmy. Kind of, he's very smarmy. <laughs> and so I just, hmm, just, hmm, just make a, some sort of vocalization that kind of gets me into it. But those oh. triggers help a lot. Yeah. So it's more of an, um, I guess it is aural, but, um, but I do, yeah, I just need those triggers. And the puppet helps, too, because the puppet looks a certain way. Right. And that also helps feed, especially if you're doing a new character. If you have a character that you're doing that has never been performed by anybody before, the visual a lot of times is that is the telltale of how he's going to sound. And then secondarily would be, the, to me, I think, are the lines. Mm-hmm. Now, as if you don't do enough, you have mm. a podcast called Below the Frame. That's right. With Matt Vogel. Yes. Um, both first and last name. <laughs> Well, well in- if I just put the below the frame with Matt, people <laughs> right, would be like, right. well, who's, who's this guy? Matt? Yeah, you know? <laughs> and you interview fellow puppeteers and other uh, Disney and Sesame Street professionals you've worked with throughout your career. What inspired the idea of starting that? And what is it that you want audiences to glean from it? Well, once again, that was a product of the pandemic. I started that because I missed my friends and speaking to my friends. And I thought, you know what? I should do just a podcast with them. And and to, one step before that, we did a Facebook live show at Ses- from Sesame Street called Below the Frame. And one of the other Muppet performers, Stephanie DeBruzzo, helped me produce that. Uh. And it was a live thing we would do. So <laughs> we would shoot in the morning. We would have lunch. And we did it once a week for a while. And we would have like a 30-minute lunch. And then the second half hour of our lunch, we would do a live Facebook feed and do – uh, some of the things that we ended up doing on the podcast, but I tried to kind of retrofit the podcast to just be this listening experience. Mm-hmm. It's hard to talk about such a visual medium, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. when you can't see it uh-huh. <laughs> in a podcast. Mm-hmm. So, but we managed, I really think we did a great job. The idea was I missed my friends and I wanted to talk to them and this became a way of connecting with them. And then it also became like a historical document Mm -hmm. for how these Muppet performers came to be who they are Mm -hmm. on the show or whether they're a director or a writer or whatever they might be doing. It, it's, it's like a, it's a historical document, an historical document on, on who they are and how they got there. And then at the same time, we'll do little ads that people in the puppet community would understand, like uh, an ad for uh, arm rods. So puppets <laughs> that don't have live hands, they have right, rods right. that help us control their hands and or like a right hand assistant or just ridiculous things like that. And um, and it was a lot of fun to do. My son, Jack, uh, helped me out with that every once in a while as well. In this final minute, uh, you're a proud graduate of Webster University's conservatory. You're going to be delivering the commencement speech. The mascot is Gorlock, completely made up, mm-hmm. debuted in 84, yes. mashup of animal characteristics. Right. So, And I think it's where the where the intersection of Gore and Lockwood yeah. meet. And they were like, well, I'm going to have a Gorlock. That's what I was thinking. So what's the voice you would use? If I were to do it, well, I, I was handed a picture 
beforehand. Maya handed me a picture, and so I'm looking at it, and I'm and I'm going, well, okay. Anish, I think what it wants to sound like is kind of like this. I'm a Gorlock. That's me. Okay. But I think it's actually this. I'm a Gorlock. <laughs> Matt Vogel is the puppeteer <laughs> of Big Bird, the Count, Kermit the Frog, and other iconic Sesame Street and Muppet characters. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Elaine. Webster University's Spring Commencement, where Matt Vogel will deliver the address, will start at 9 a.m. tomorrow and will be streamed live at webster.edu slash live. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.